It's uh, wonderful to be here. My name's Rob. If you uh, are new here this morning, I'm one of the leaders here at Sun Family Church. It's wonderful to be able to share God's word with you today. And um, we are continuing our series on, we're looking through John's Gospel, Jesus at the Centre. Well, one person's excited about that. Um, so, wonderful. So, look at, um, we're looking at John 10 today, which is the, uh, where Jesus uh, declares himself as the Good Shepherd, which is a wonderful passage. And just before we do that, I'm just going to pray, and I'm going to read it to you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you for who you are. We love you for the fact that you came to earth. You walked amongst us. You shared the glory of God with those that you spoke to, those that you healed, those that you ministered to, the miracles you performed as you walked on earth. And I thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sin, for the sin of the world, that you chose that in obedience to the Father in heaven, that you rose again, that you're alive today, that you sent your Holy Spirit to be our guide, to minister into our hearts. What a wonderful joy to have your Spirit dwelling in me. I just pray, speak to us, continue to speak to us this morning through your word. Challenge us, we pray. Encourage us as we continue our walk with you. Amen. Wonderful. So I'm going to read John 10, and I'm going to read from 1 to 19. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks and the flock uh, attacks the flock and scatters it. 
The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay, I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. And at these words, the Jews were again divided. I don't know about you, but that's a wonderful, rich passage of a lot of things that we can draw out um, of who God is and who Jesus is uh, and the context of shepherds and sheep and even the part that we play in being his sheep. Now I don't know what comes into your head when you think of the good shepherd. Those of you that are very local to here may think of the, uh, the good shepherd church in Carshalton. It may be the film that uh, Matt Damon was in, The Good Shepherd. And if who's anyone seen that? The good film, wonderful. It might be you might think of Jesus himself. There were many paintings that were painted of Jesus as the Good Shepherd. Just one I picked here of um, of Jesus leading and the sheep following him um, through this through the countryside. There. Well. Firstly, this passage comes right after Jesus has healed a blind man. And the the Jewish leaders are completely blinded by the fact that Jesus could be the long-awaited Messiah that the Jewish nation were waiting for. But as we saw in the previous chapter, these Jewish leaders were looking for any way possible to prove that he wasn't the one that God was sending to redeem his people. Now, Mike talked last week about these religious leaders wearing three blindfolds. He talked about having a blindfold of religion, of idols, of self-centered plans. The Jewish leaders had lost sight of the wonderful redemptive story of God. The wonderful, the Old Testament we see time and time again of God wanting to lead his people into a wonderful redemptive place. The Jewish leaders have lost sight of the big picture of what God was doing through the generations. They didn't want to see Jesus of who he was claiming to be. They were being stubborn, self-centered, and Jesus talks about them being spiritually blind in the previous chapter. So this morning, I just want to spend some time looking first at the backdrop of what, why Jesus does, in fact, refer to himself as a shepherd. And I want us to consider the significance of what, Jesus, what it means for Jesus to be the good shepherd. And what it means for us to be the sheep and how we outwork that today. 
And I'm going to do things a little bit different today, because as you can see, I've got the flip charts here. So be ready for some interaction with me. So um, no falling asleep today. <laughs> Not that you would anyway, of course. Okay, so here's a, a passage um, where Jesus... Um, um, uh, let me see, where have I got to? Yeah, okay, so if we're to look back on the history of the Jewish people, we see a richness of the scenes of pastoral life. There's a very, if you go right back to the beginning, there is um, a, such a richness of uh, shepherding and flocks and looking after this, this sort of pastoral environment. During the time of the patriarchs of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, Shepherding was a noble occupation. Shepherds are mentioned early in Genesis um, when chapter 4. Jabal is called the father of those living in tents and raising livestock. In nomadic societies, everyone, whether sheik or slave, was a shepherd. They looked after livestock. As God called Abraham to go and leave his father's house, and make his way to Canaan, he would have needed shepherds to care for the many sheep that he would have had on that journey. We hear about in Genesis 30, Isaac and Jacob and Jacob's sons tending to flocks. But in Christ's day, generations later, shepherds stood at the bottom rung of the Palestinian social ladder. They shared the same unenviable status as tax collectors and dung sweepers. From the Gospel of Luke, we know it is the shepherds that the angels came to declare the wonderful birth of Jesus. So what happened from the time of the very beginning in Genesis to Jesus' day to the shepherd? Now it all changed when God's people migrated to Egypt. On arriving in their new land, they encountered a lifestyle that was completely foreign to them. The Egyptians were agriculturalists, and as farmers, they despised shepherding, because sheep and goats meant death to their crops. Now, right at the beginning there was, um, of, of Genesis, we see that there was Conflict between shepherds and farmers. Abel was a shepherd, Cain worked the soil. And as we saw, the conflict between those two ended in one of them dying. Egyptians considered sheep worthless for food and sacrifice. Pharaoh's clean shaven court looked down on rugged shepherd boys like the sons of Jacob. In fact, we see in Genesis 46 that Joseph said to his brothers, every shepherd is detestable to the Egyptians. And so you can imagine, right from the beginning all the way through, in fact, they were for 400 years, the Egyptians would have changed the Israelites' attitude towards shepherding. And then it was from this environment that David comes onto the scene, the wonderful King David, the shepherd boy, the youngest son of Jesse. And as a boy, he looked after sheep somewhere in the vicinity of Bethlehem. 
You know, it's amazing how God raises people up from just humble backgrounds and beginnings. You know, when I think as we were worshipping even, just the sense of, you know, God raises up people that are just nobodies, and because often those are the people that will allow the grace of God to work in their lives, to outwork the kingdom of God. So David, the one that nobody thinks will become king, Samuel looks for, well, it's none of your other sons, Jesse, and then David is out looking after the flocks. And so David's called in and Samuel anoints David to be the future king of Israel. David was the man, in fact, that took this poorly paid profession of shepherding, this low-rated occupation, and he likened this profession, this shepherding, he likened it to God and his care for his people. Now, as we know, David wrote a number of psalms depicting God as the shepherd of Israel and the people of God as his sheep. The most famous, perhaps, Psalm 23, where it talks about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. There's other psalms, Psalm 79, Psalm 80, Psalm 100, Psalm 95. They all talk of God as our shepherd and us as his sheep. In fact, many of the later prophets consistently use the description of God as the shepherd and the people as his sheep. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Micah all speak of God tending to his flock like a shepherd. Gathering. There's one verse that talks about gathering the remnant of his flock. And in Ezekiel 34, verse 31, God says through this prophet, referring to the people of God, you are my flock, the sheep of my pasture. You are my people and I am your God. You know, it's, it's all of this that Jesus draws together. It's all of this that the heritage of Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, the prophetic words of David through the Psalms, through um, being a shepherd boy, the later prophets declaring you know, that God is the shepherd. All of these things that Jesus is drawing from when he refers to himself as the good shepherd. You know, I am the good shepherd. And when he announces this, when he declares this, there will be Jewish leaders there that will be aware of all of this wonderful heritage. Yet they are left divided. They are left, some of them could see it, Others, as we looked at, just really didn't want to believe that Jesus could in fact be the Messiah, the true Son of God. So what does it mean to us today? Well, there are three main illustrations in this particular passage. The first refers to a general, uh, general shepherding situation. We've got a shepherd, a watchman. The second elaborates Jesus as the gate. And the third where Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd. Now what I particularly like about this particular passage, and particularly the Gospel of John, is John 
communicates to us and gives us lots of multifaceted aspects of who Jesus is. So far, we've seen Jesus as the light of the world. We've seen him as the bread of life, that all who come to him will never go hungry. We've seen him as the source of living water, that when we drink from this water, he gives us water that we'll never thirst again. And now we are, here we are, halfway through the Gospel of John, and he declares himself as the good shepherd. Now there's no doubt from this passage that the thieves and the robbers that he's referring to that are seeking to climb into the pen by some other way will be the Jewish leaders that he's talking to. I think this passage makes it very clear that the only way to know God is through Jesus himself. Jesus says, I am the gate. You know, again, in, um, in Christ's time, if the, the, the sheep were out in the countryside and they were being led and it was becoming nighttime, they used to have pens in the countryside where they used to gather the sheep into at nighttime. But these pens wouldn't have gates, and so the shepherd used to have to lie in front of the gate to stop the sheep getting out, but also in, in a way of protecting the sheep. And it's this backdrop that Jesus says, refers to himself as, I am the gate. I am the one who will care for and protect the sheep within the pen. It's only through Jesus that we will enable, we are part of the flock, part of Jesus' sheep that Jesus refers to in this passage. To go through the gate, a decision has to be made in your heart that you are willing to follow Jesus. You're willing to give your life to him. It says in Romans chapter 10 verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you're sitting here today and you believe that, that Jesus was raised from the dead, you believe in your heart, then you are a Christian. Isn't that wonderful? You have eternity with the living God. It's great, isn't it? Do you believe that? Does that get you excited? Oh, it gets me excited. When I, when I saw that picture of Francis Chan's rope, um, I thought, isn't that amazing that we get this whole bit of rope and we dwell in this red bit? And sometimes we can get so caught up in that last little bit. It did make me laugh. But we have eternity with God. If we believe that Jesus says in um, Romans... If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. God draws us with his love. But Jesus is not only the gate. He is the shepherd. He refers to himself as the good shepherd, leading and guiding, protecting all those who follow him. There's a reason why this is such a powerful picture. Um, because when we think of shepherds, in particular David and now Jesus, we think of someone who cares for the sheep so much they would give their life for one of those sheep. When we look at David's account, when he um, basically goes forward to um, fight Goliath, he says this, when a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep, From the flock, I went after it. 
I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. I don't know about you, but there's a care and protection that comes from a shepherd that, you know, I, I, you know, being an elder of this church, sometimes just think, wow, that is a, you know, I think that's an awesome responsibility to be a shepherd um, just for sheep, let alone people. And it's mind-blowing that Jesus would say, actually, that's who I am for every one of you that believes in me. My care and protection for you is I give my life. In fact, I went to the cross for each one of you because I love you that much. I, have, I care for you and I want the best for you. So really, what's our response to this then? Well, I'd imagine each one of us in this room have testimonies of where Jesus has been our guide and our protector. I'm sure that we have a security of knowing that we are in God's flock, that we are part of God's family, and that Jesus is indeed our shepherd. But I want to draw us, for this last half, particular to verses 3 and 4, where Jesus gives us clear instruction of what it means to be a sheep in God's flock. It says in verse 3 that the watchman opens the gate for him, the shepherd, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. So I just want to draw out three things. Firstly, that the sheep listen to his voice. Second, the sheep calls his own sheep by name. Jesus knows each one of us by names. He knows you and he knows your situations. And thirdly, he leads them out and goes on ahead of them. The sheep follow because they know his voice. So I want to look at these three things. Firstly, how good are you at hearing God's voice? How good were you, would you say you were at hearing God speak to you? Learning to clearly distinguish God's voice is invaluable. And we have so many different things invading our, I don't know, everything. Um, from the TV to the internet invading everything in our thinking these days. How good are we hearing specifically the voice of God? You know, I um, spent some time with somebody this week and we were talking about different things that were going on in our lives. And what impressed me most about this person I was speaking to was how often he would say to me, you know, I really felt God say this. I really felt God led me to do this or say... And I was really stirred by how much this person heard God. And it imparts faith because you think, wow, God speaks a lot to this person. How, God, how much do you feel you hear God's voice? And what I want us to do, um, what I want us to do today, um, and 
let me see, let me go the right way, is this. Is, um, I want us to spend a little bit of time thinking about how we hear from God. And now everyone in this room would be very different how they hear from God. After all, it's, it's about our relationship with God, and that's very different um, for each one of us. But I think there are some principles that we can learn from each other. So we're going to do a short bit of interaction here. And now we normally, this sort of thing we normally leave to life groups. We normally do this in midweek. But I want to spend just five to ten minutes or so doing this as a group together. And so what I'm going to do is ask a question, which I'm going to write up on this whiteboard. And for one, maybe two minutes, I want you to talk to the person next to you, okay, and ask them this question. How do we hear from God? Or how do you hear from God? Okay? We haven't done this before. This is new. So you might have to get out of your seat if you're sitting on your own. You might have to shuffle along. And my encouragement to you is, please, the only thing other than ask that question is ask them their name. Please, you may not have spoken to them before, but please don't start a conversation about, uh, you've already talked to them about what they're having for lunch, so you've done a little bit of getting to know them. So please, can you ask them the question, how do they hear from God? And then after two minutes, we're going to come back together and I'm going to write some ideas up on this whiteboard. Okay, is everybody happy with that? <laughs> All right, if this pushes out of your comfort zone, I apologise, but it's a good thing to do. It gets you thinking about how it impacts you on the everyday. So ask the question, how do you hear from God? And if you want to move around and talk to somebody you've never spoken to before, even better for the extroverts in the room. Okay, 10 seconds. Be ready to give an answer. I'm going to pick on people. Not really, I'm not really. Okay, okay, time's up. Okay, right. Now, I need some volunteers because this isn't going to work if I don't get any volunteers. So um, I might pick on people to start with who I know will be very happy to give answers. And I know the people that don't want to give an answer, the people not looking at me right now. So, um, okay, so let's have uh, volunteers who are happy to say, uh, if you go first, then you'll get all the easy ones. So, you know, it's, it's a good thing to say to go first. So I need, you, I need some participation. Dreams. Say that again. Dreams. dreams. Mike, thank you for being the first person. So we've got dreams. Okay, fantastic. Good that that's the first one, actually. Yeah. Debbie. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the vehicle in which we... So the Holy Spirit speaks into us and to us. Caroline. Say the first bit again. Good, right. So a strong sense of peace and discomfort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. When making decisions. So, so right. I might need somebody to help me because then I can carry on. Uh, Okay, I can't write very fast. Okay, gosh, loads of hands. Yeah, cool. 
interacting. So let's write that down over here. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. I knew she was. She's so great, Michaela. Okay, right. I'm trying to pick different people. So I appreciate you putting your hands up again. Yep. Brilliant. That was my first one on my list. Run for that. We got it. Yes. Through reading the Bible. That is probably, I would say, the most significant way um, that God speaks to us today is through the living word of God. So, you know, I think that's possibly, if you don't take anything away today, right, take that away. That's how you hear from God. Please read your Bibles. Right. There we go. Sorry. There's my, there's my bit. Ross. Right, okay, we'll come on to what stops us hearing from God in a bit. So yes, yeah, so w- there is the whole sense that sometimes we think, well, actually, God's not speaking. Well, God is actually speaking, but there might be things that are hindering that ability to hear from God. So we'll talk about that in a bit if we've got time. Mike, other people. So yes, we hear from God through other people. Somebody might... We might be having a conversation with them. It could even be just a, you know, so, and then God just speaks to us naturally. You know, it might be you might need to support that person. You might need to, I don't know. It could be lots of different ways, but God can speak to us prophetically as well through other people. They can speak into our lives. And so we want to put, I, put, I said about prophecy there as well, which I wasn't meant to say. But there we go. Right, Louise. Pictures. Pictures. Definitely. Now, do you know that I think the imagination is an aspect of who we are that we could just explore more about expressing who God is and how God wants to speak to us. Our imagination. Now, I read this. It has been said that imagination is the cinema of the heart. That imagination or pictures in a way that we see things through pictures embraces symbolic truth that nourishes the heart's ability to feed on truth. Have you thought of that before? That the pictures that we can have nourish our heart with the truth that we read about in the Word of God. Imagination, I think, is an underused way of connecting with God and hearing from God that we could, um, I think, just explore and just grow in so much more as God's sheep. It says here, I wrote this down, the images in our hearts determine our destiny. The pictures we carry about inside of what type of person we are will determine how we live our lives and therefore who we become. I think pictures can be a very powerful way that we can hear from God. And I think, again, that's a really good way that you can go from here thinking, actually, if you don't know how to hear from God, or if you're not very good at seeing pictures, then do talk to us because I want to encourage you. I want to pray with you. I want to, you know, help develop your imagination when it comes to hearing from God. Okay, others. Creation. Through creation. Brilliant, brilliant. Who here likes going for walks to spend time with God? Brilliant, look at that. Good, a good third, if not more of you. Okay, it's not for everyone. If you ask Terry Virgo when he's here next week, he says he doesn't do it for him. He sits in a room with his Bible, and it's him and God in a room. It's different for everyone, and that's okay, because we're in relationship with God. Okay? So if walking is your thing, nature is your thing, and helps you hear and connect with God, then do more of it. Any other ways we hear from God? What about talking to his spirit? 
promptings? Yes, brilliant. Thank you, Michaela. Uh, Louise? Prayer? That was the second on my list. Brilliant. It's like that game, isn't it, where you get points for... Uh, but prayer, I mean, yeah, I mean, all of the, I think all of these, underlying all of them is prayer. You know, when we go walking in nature, you know, it's that communication, that talking to God on a regular basis, you know, and I think that's really, really important. I think I'm going to have to stop there because I'm running out of time. So, as his sheep, we listen for his voice. And when we listen for his voice and we hear from God, those are the wa- some of the ways that we can hear from God. Let's see, just see what I've got here. Take time to listen through prayer. Ask God questions and believe that he will answer. I think one thing that we started doing uh, six months ago in the kids' church is doing something called chat and catch, where we get the children to chat to God, to ask God questions. And we use it with an illustration of a ball, is that when you throw a ball, you expect to, well, you hope to catch it. So as we ask God a question, there's an expectation that God will answer. Okay, God wants to answer, and children are great, because they do. You know, you, you get, I mean, my children always just tell me when you do this to them, is you say, well, I'll, you know, ask God a question, and they ask God a question, and then, oh, this, yeah, this is what God said is an answer. And they're like, wow. You know, you almost think it's like strange that God would answer that question. But he does. He wants to answer your questions. Um, I'd say listen with some, someone else as well. If, if you do find it hard to hear from God, get alongside somebody. If, you know, if you're a man, come along to the men's group Monday night. Get alongside other men. And we can listen to God together. Exercising the gifts of the Spirit, as we've talked about. Um, and... Encouraging people with a Bible verse. I was encouraged this morning by somebody with a Bible verse. It can make a huge difference to somebody's week. Here, listen, God, can I, give me a verse that I can encourage this person with this week. You know, I've done that, and so many, well, I can't think of time, it's never happened, God puts a verse in my mind for that person. We can hear from God every single moment of every day. Okay, so... We listen as sheep to the voice of Jesus. I wanted to ask the question, what stops us hearing from God that Ross alluded to? I'm just going to go through these. I've listed some. Pride, like the religious Jewish leaders we spoke about at the beginning. Complacency, sin, busyness, self-centeredness, unrepentance. And this last one I put on because it was me this week. Do you actually ask God what he thinks before making a decision? <laughs> uh, I was with Abby and I, was, I had this decision I needed to make and I was like, oh, I really don't know whether to see or not. She said, have you asked God? <laughs> so there we are. As sheep, we listen to his voice. So second, Jesus calls his own sheep by name. Jesus knows you and he knows your name. And do you know that God has called you? Do you you know that? I mean, do you? He's called you. He He has this wonderful joy when he looks at you. And he thinks, wow, you know, this I love this person. You know, he sees everything about you that 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 he, you know, that is so delightfully lovable. 
Isn't that wonderful? And he calls you by name. Now, I don't know about, um, I don't know about you, but how do you feel when somebody calls your name? You know, I, I was talking to somebody yesterday at, I was taking the boys to Farnham Air um, Museum, and the one guy we were talking to, I, I, the boys asked him his name, and he said, my name's Bob. And, um, and then we had this, my children had this joke, about, oh, that's like daddy's name, daddy's name's Rob, and, and then we had, they had a little bit of a joke, um, because they called me by my name, rather than daddy. And... Um, and then he, did, he then went into uh, this conversation of, you know, oh, yes, actually, my real name is Robert. And I always knew that my name was Robert when I was growing up, because when I was naughty, it was always the name that my mum used to call me. And I'm sure many of us in this room have that experience. Is that your feeling when someone calls your name? Oh, my goodness, I've done something wrong. But when God calls our name, he calls us, and, we, and he's just like, I'm so delighted to see you. You know, he calls us by name, every single one of us. You know, when I, the school I grew up in, you know, your name was, your surname was called out in the register. It was Carter. You know, slightly, um, I always feel nervous. You know, I sat there waiting for it. Fortunately, it was quite near the beginning, so I didn't have to wait very long. Jesus has called each one of us. And he calls us in a way that's totally trustworthy, completely valuing, and absolutely accepting. When he calls your name, it's like he knows the very things that will enable you to become all that you are. If we look through history of God's people, we see people called of God. Abraham was called to go to Canaan. Moses was called to go back to Egypt to rescue God's people. Joshua was called to take God's people into the promised land. As one of Jesus' followers, as one of Jesus' sheep, what are you called to? Some of you, you're called into the workplace. You're called to act as Christ in the environments which you are called in the workplace. You know, I... It's, it's tough, I think, as a Christian in this country, as time, as the years go by, to be a Christ-like Christian and demonstrate Christ-like values. And also to speak about them in a way that people see Christ in you, to act with integrity. What are you called to? Has God been stirring you to get involved, perhaps with the homeless, to get involved with the toddler group on a Thursday morning? And I, I just say that that is going so well. And just well done to all those involved in that. It's a wonderful thing that we're able to provide in this community. You know, it might just be, you know, you're called today to get more serious about God. To say, you know what, I'm going to put all that behind me and I want to get serious with God. He might be getting more involved with you know, the befriending service that we heard about earlier. When Jesus calls us to something, he calls us to follow him wherever that might take us, even if it's abroad. 
Now, you notice here that we're not called to stay in the sheep pen. At the beginning, it talks about the sheep pen. It talks about being called out and led out of the sheep pen. The shepherd knows that we need to get out of the sheep pen. We need to get into pasture. We need to find food and drink. And the shepherd leads us to these places. And he also leads us to take this wonderful good news that we have of Jesus Christ to those around us, to speak of Jesus to those around us. So finally then, the shepherd leads the sheep. Jesus leads us. Jesus goes ahead of us. The sheep follow, we follow him because we know his voice. Have you heard God this morning? Has he been speaking to you? Have you been ignoring or avoiding him? Then I'd encourage you today to look to him, to find ways of hearing his voice. Jesus leads us to a place, as it says in this passage, where we can enjoy life to the full under his care and protection. Okay, can I just ask the uh, band if they want to come up now, because I'm going to finish in just a few moments. Um, Can I just ask us all to stand up as well, actually, from here? Now, the Good Shepherd film, I've not actually seen it, so I'd be interested to know what it's like. I might end up going to see it. But there was this quote in the film from Matt Damon, and he said, it isn't about dedication and loyalty, it's about belief in what we do. Do you believe in Jesus today? Do you believe that Jesus was the Son of God and is alive today? If you've never made that decision to believe in Jesus, to trust in him, if you've never in your heart said, yes, I want to follow him, then you can make that decision today. And my encouragement to you is don't go from this very building, these four walls, if you've never made that decision to follow Jesus. Because he's alive. He wants you to know the wonderful life that you can have in him now and for all eternity. So please um, let me know or come and I'd love to pray with you and encourage you to make that decision to follow him today. As Christians, we do what we do because we believe it to be true. We believe it to be true. Jesus was real. He is the good shepherd. He wants to reveal himself to us continually every day. So let me just pray for us and let the band lead us just in a final song. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have been amongst us today as the good shepherd, that you are our good shepherd and we are your sheep. Thank you for the wonderful Uh, good news of Jesus. We trust in you. We thank you that you are speaking to us every single day. We thank you that you are the God who speaks. Just pray that you would speak to us this week. For those that are, are crying out to you for difficult situations, I pray that you would speak to them and be their comfort, that you would be their, their, their joy, their strength, For those, Lord, who are running after you, 
I just pray that they would continue be to find encouragement and strength from you, but would be a strength and encouragement to others around them, that they would be the light of the world, that we would all be the light of the world. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. Hallelujah.